Radio shows choose your own podcast. Mind the car noise on this one. So, Dookie, what we've decided to do, and and I'm sorry, listeners, if I'm taking over, but Dookie is actually driving. So I'm holding the the recording device so that he can drive. You need to back me up on this, Dookie. Absolutely. This is the first mobile Dookie radio show episode. My hands are normally twiddly knobs while we're recording our radio show. This time I am anchored to the steering wheel of a fantastic Swedish motor car. Dookie, I love your car and what we've decided to talk about is the five most memorable moments of the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, haven't we guys? Yeah, that's right. And this is memorable rather than best. We're not just giving a certain number of what we consider to be the best moments, merely the most memorable. Dookie, can I start us off here with the first one? Hit me! Well, I would say that sock puppets. The Scottish falsetto sock puppets, in fact. I think I need to say that, don't I, Dookie? Really? The Scottish falsetto sock puppet theatre. Which is performed by one man... Two hands, two socks, and many different outfits. Dookie, the highlight for me personally was the... So what the, these two sock puppets are doing, they're, they're kind of like Abbott and Costello. Would you say that? It's very much kind of playing up on the odd couple dynamic. These two socks are adversarial. Yes. Is that a word? It is now. Yeah, it is now, yes. And they talk in very pronounced falsetto Scottish voices. Yes. Hello from me and hello from him, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's bang on. Yeah, you got that good. Yeah. And there was a show that they did two or th- was it two years ago? I do believe it was three years ago because I know, this is before I even met you, but yes, I saw that show as well. So we, were, we all went to the same Fringe Festival at different times in August three years ago. Yeah, I went there, but you, I know you too, even though you didn't, you must have, you know, your paths must have been crossing. My word. Uh, Sylvia, what would have uh, prompted you to go and see the Scottish falsetto sock puppets? Well, Dookie, and I think that you and I share this in common, we both like a little bit of anthropomorphism, do we not? Yes. yes. Animals who talk, socks who talk, Scottish people who are able to talk in falsetto voices, wonderful. And, and there was a thing at the Fringe a few years ago that puppets were the thing. I mean, everywhere. You couldn't look at a flyer for a show or anything without it having to do with puppets in some way. So I thought, well, I'm in Scotland and I like anthropomorphization, so I might as well go see the sock puppets. And what they were doing was recreating movies throughout the ages and Dookie... Do you remember when they recreated the scene from Basic Instinct? Sharon Stone would have been proud to see the incredibly accurate depiction of the famous crossing of the legs beaver shot 
which is a really an iconic memory from that 1992 cinematic masterpiece. Dookie, can we put that down as, you know, we don't have to do these in order, I wouldn't say, but as a memorable moment on the Edinburgh Fringe, a man with socks on his hands recreating the beaver shot from Basic Instinct, surely that's got to be top five stuff there. Absolutely. Right, so Dookie uh, and Silk, should we talk about number two memorable moments? And let's say we're, we're, we're using number two there in maybe both senses of the expression. You think? Most definitely. Cirque de Legume is the name of the production. An Irish troupe who, for the most part, do nothing more than hit each other with an assortment of different vegetables. Dookie, I, you know, I never have been in the fringe before. I gotta say that, you know, it wasn't a high point, you know, was it? It wasn't, it wasn't a high point. This memorable moment is proof that something can be memorable without necessarily being good. In fact, due to the poor nature, <coughs> excuse me, of the production, it has become memorable for all the wrong reasons. Well, yeah. I mean, is it? I guess that's what you go to the festival for. <laughs> the thing about it is, is that wasn't it interesting that the only reason we went is because the time slot was convenient for us. And it had five stars all over the place, didn't it? Absolutely. I remember one of the reviews uh, promised that the scene in which the Onion did a striptease scene was yeah. one of the highlights of the Fringe Festival. Yeah. A bold statement. Well, Dookie and Marcia, I mean, they did manage to turn a cabbage into a dog in that they kind of waved a cabbage at each other and made woofing noises and then started hitting each other with it and then put their arms in the air and said, how's about that? So I'm thinking, you know, I'm trying to say something nice about it because, you know, these performers put in a lot of effort. They certainly boosted the profits of local greengrocers in the Edinburgh area for the duration of that show. Yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah, uh... I think we were right to leave. You know, I know that's against the whole fringe spirit, but another uh, 48 minutes of the uh, people are hitting each other with cabbages. I'm thinking not so good. It was, if I think I spent another minute watching these people hit themselves with vegetables, I would have mentally become one myself. It was really dreadful. And basically they would take a turn and bash each other over the head with them respectively, say, how's about that? And that seemed to be the one and only punchline. And it was all kinds of dreadful. Dookie, you know what, though? I'm going to burn in hell forever because I was the first one to lead our little charge out of the venue. And when you do this, you want to do it subtly because even though you might not be enjoying the production... You know, you don't, want to, you don't want to destroy all of people's hopes and dreams. I don't want to make people feel bad. But I didn't realize that it was a fire exit that involved the noisiest 
metal door ever and the brightest stream of sunlight into what was otherwise a very dark room. And I'm going to burn in hell forever for doing that. And Cirque du Lagoon people, if you're listening, I'm very, very sorry. Uh, you got five stars. I think that's marvelous and well done. Perhaps they were having an off day and the majesty of what they were attempting to do didn't come across. But, oh my word, that really was memorable. Yeah, well, maybe next year for their show they can move away from, you know, the vegetables into, like, you know, you know, eating meat or something, and then they could be having an awful day. You get it? Yeah, I've been at the, I've been at the fringe too long. Next up is a production, which will have to remain anonymous in order to protect the guilty. A single white female of certain age, approximately 34, who is a throwback from the Bridget Jones generation. And she based an entire one-woman, one-hour show on a food mixer. Dookie, what I loved is that she had like a Kenwood mixer. I guess they call them a stand mixer. I don't have one, but they call them a stand mixer or a food mixer. And it's worth pointing out that her Kenwood mixer, there are other makes, was beautifully blinged up. This looked like something that would not be out of place on the streets of Las Vegas or indeed Blackpool. That's what I loved, that she had a disco ball attached to one of the, the I guess call it blades? Like when, if you're mixing up a cake, you put the blades down in the in the batter, and they spin round and round. So, but she had the mixer up, and she had the disco ball on it. So the disco span round and round, and all the lights glinted off the audience. And I thought that was very clever. Yeah, and Dookie, you did it really well because. Her song stuck in all our minds, didn't it? So she had the mixer on, and I, I can't even remember why she started singing about some guy called Jose. I think, was it, if I remember correctly, this is a couple of days ago now, was it a, a kind of walk through the bad boyfriends of her time? And this particular Jose is a footballer of note. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Who is it? Jose Mourinho? I don't know. Yes, and he represents what she considers to be her ideal man. Because the whole production was based on her current singleton spinster status, she is looking forward to finding Mr. Right and has disco balls on a mixer fantasy songs in the honor of the said footballer. So yes, so Dookie Marcia, I think we are all agreed on number three memorable moment is this woman, lovely young woman, likability factor off the charts with the disco ball on the Kenwood inexplicable Kenwood mixer going round and round singing Jose, Jose, Olay. Ole, I am a single girl who needs a lovely man. Jose, Jose, Ole, Ole. Yeah, bless her. Our fourth most memorable fringe experience is genuinely and literally alarming. Dookie, that night to which you're referring, and Marcia, 
is all I can say. Wow, I've never seen anything like it at the festival. Yeah, that was, uh, I don't know. So I think, do you think listeners, listeners, you people, I'm asking you, have you heard of Buckfast? Because I've only just heard of this. What is it? It's like a wine made by monks. What is that? What is it? It's a fortified wine made by monks with a ridiculous amount of caffeine in it. So uh, yeah. loads and loads of alcohol, loads and loads of sugar, which helps to boost the effectiveness of alcohol. And It's popular up here in Scot- Scotland, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And south of the border with people who lead alternative lifestyles. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to be hammering on the Buckfast, you're not looking for a nice peaceful night, you know, at the pub playing darts, are you? No. So, yeah, the reason I mention that is because I'm wondering whether they were handing out free bottles of Buckfast that night. Because that night, you know that you're in for it when you walk in and the audience already seems like they're looking for a fight. We need to set the scene. Yeah. It was a midnight show in which it's a bit like what the Americans would call Lucky Dip, where... You get a ticket, you know that you're going to be getting a number of comedians, you do not know who they will be. Yeah. You know that they will be people who are performing on the fringe, but you take a chance. And at midnight we arrive at the venue and it seemed like the majority of the people who were in the capacity filled venue um, had been drinking since 11 o'clock that morning. Had Buckfast in their sippy cups. And... Things got off to a very, very rough start when Jared Christmas, who is a New Zealand-born comedian who has emceeing the event, started coming in for a bit of stick from the get-go, with people shouting abuse with regards to the state of his hairline, the state of his waistline, and he handled it well. He's yeah, I liked him. I don't know what, what people had against him. He seemed to be doing all, all right. His, and his reply was, you know, yeah, I might be losing a bit of hair on the back, and I might be, uh, I could be a bit thinner, but hey, I'm up here with the microphone, and you're down there. And I thought, fine, he was able to, in a non-aggressive member, show who was boss. Well, for a little while anyway. Yeah, and, and, and then, Dookie, I have to say that I have seen this particular comedian before, and I have to say that, you know, he, his comedy wasn't really my thing, but he seemed like a very, very gentle soul. And he's doing very well over here now, so I think his comedy might be more my thing now. But he seems like a very gentle, gentle, very lovely, nice man called Tony Law, and he's from Canada. He's from Alberta and possibly one of the nicest comedians on planet Earth and possibly one of the nicest people who has ever left Alberta. And lovely, lovely, lovely um, person. Very, very gentle demeanour, eccentric sense of humour. He was one of the first Lucky Dip comedians and is quite a name on the scene now. So a lot of people in attendance should have been quite excited to have a person of note who is getting a hell of a lot of good press, was right there as part of this midnight fiesta of comedy goodness. Yeah, I don't know what they had against him either. You know, he seemed to be doing all right. And all of a sudden, you know, people are like hurling insults. And the very, very nice, very soft-spoken Tony Law 
suddenly becomes a very, very different person. He's trying to get on with his act and pretty much everything that he's saying. And at one particular stage, he was just trying to set up a joke. And it was a joke which quite clearly involved many, many, many different layers and required him to mention a wide variety of different plot twists and characters. Yeah, it wasn't happening. And it was not happening. It wasn't and happening. people were just pulling him up on everything. Yeah, so he eventually he eventually He eventually lost it a bit. And at one stage said... Hey, buddy, how about I take you outside and fuck you in your fucking face? You ready? You want some? You want some? I fucking got it. Yeah, that was memorable no, moment number four. A very gentle uh, Canuck comedian threatened to take somebody outside and fuck him in the face. And Jared Christmas, the New Zealand-born comedian, tried to intervene and... It turned into a late-night clusterfuck, <laughs> which was only prevented from getting worse and possibly requiring police intervention and Scottish police intervention by some person, a possible angel, doing a Nicki Minaj and pounding the alarm. The whole complex had to be evacuated immediately. And that was it for that night. We did not see any more of the performers. Who knows who else was on the bill? Whether or not Tony Law was able to fuck that person in the face later on remains a mystery. Dookie, personally, I just, because I don't really do well in situations like that, I just want people to be nice. And personally, I've never been so relieved to hear a fire alarm in my life Somebody, whoever it was, whether it was Nicki Minaj or somebody else, thank you so much for pounding the alarm. I remember Sylvia saying something along the lines of, I don't care if there even really is a fire, I just want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I did indeed say that, and thank goodness for that alarm. Thank you very much, whoever pounded it. So right now, uh, we're going to do number five, except that uh, Dookie here seems to be really obsessed with observing a uh, truck depot. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. Um... I guess there's just going to be a lot of trucks there. We missed it on the way up. When we drove up, we missed it. And now he's completely intent on me and Sylvia spotting this truck depot, which if you live over here, you'll know is the Eddie Stobart. That's the name of this uh, particular fleet. Trucks. And yeah, once we finish, once we find it and uh, we have the awe of seeing it, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have number five. Oh, yes, it's beautiful. <laughs> Dookie, I don't I mean to undermine your excitement, but it just, it looks like a big truck depot. It's an Eddie Stobart. Okay. Bus depot. So we found it and are we ready to do number five? Absolutely, yes. Number five memorable moments actually occurred last night when you and Marcia decided that it was a good idea to go 
and try another one of these lucky dips. Unlucky dip. It became an unlucky dip. As you heard earlier, number four was preempted by Nicki Minaj herself. The fire alarm had been pounded. So another midnight comedy fiesta had been identified. We arrived in eager anticipation of what we would come across. But when we arrived at the venue, a different venue this time, but another fringe venue, instead of being four or five acts, this appeared to be just one who, for an hour and a half, were taking over this particular Just the Tonic comedy night. And it was very weird. Um, Dookie, everybody in there was in on some joke because they started chanting a phrase even before it started and the three of us were sitting there like, we don't know what the hell's going on. And you want to know something, Dookie? When that comedian guy walked in, what was his name? Phil? Phil Ellis. And he's dressed like a used car salesman and he's putting himself about as like some children's entertainer. For me, the memorable moment was seeing the effect that this guy had on our beloved Sylvia. Did you notice that? Sylvia immediately asked where the bar was and started knocking back vodka at a rate that even Russians would be envious of. Sylvia, I've never seen you actually look like somebody was making you violent. I mean, I didn't even even know you had that capacity in you. Sylvia, did he look like an ex of yours? You really did seem to take his presence personally. I was actually asking myself, like, does he look like somebody who has done me wrong in some way and because I really was having a terrible reaction. I've, I haven't disliked somebody that much in a, quite a long time, but I just did not like him at all. I mean, I know that was part of his stick that he was trying to be like Mr. Sleazebag, but it went beyond that. And I really, I, I, I did not like him at all. So that was a memorable moment for me, but it went on like this. So, you know, what you got was a used car salesman saying he's doing a children's show to what is an audience full of university students hopped up to the eyeballs on cheap beer, right? The name of the act is Funs and Games, F-U-N-Z and games. G-A-M-E-Z. They're quite zany with the letter Z. And it was really, really weird. Um, Dookie, can I horn in there? See, I think part of the problem was is when everybody was being seated, they had balloons up and around that had the fun and games acronym on them. And I took exception to that. They could have been advertising tobacco products. Yes, no, I know, but Duke, and I don't mean to be uptight and prudish. Am am I uptight and prudish? Because you and Martha are more than welcome to tell me that I'm being uptight and prudish. I just, I just thought, I just raised my hackles. That's what it did, it raised my hackles. You seem to be taking it 
too hot. I have to say, I was mindful of the fact that this troupe were playing characters. This was not, yes. you know, reality. Yes. But you need to also take it at face value. Was this, from a first impression point of view, amusing? Were you entering a very, very eccentric yet humorous world? Well, we didn't know. That was the problem. Yeah, and was... another problem was is that we'd just been to a gig where the guy had quite clearly had a really sad life, but he was trying to turn it into comedy. And Sylvia, you're quite a sensitive soul, and you felt really sorry for him. And let's face it, you'd basically spend an hour being this guy's maxi pad. Because we were the, like, only three of five people in the audience. And this guy was really needy and kept asking us if we were enjoying it. And bless him, you know, he's a funny guy. But, yeah, Sylvia really soaked up his pain. So, you know, we, we can chalk it up to that. I, th I think that's very accurate. Absolutely. We went straight from this very needy American comedian who appears regularly on a very popular comedy panel Listen, if you're listening, network. you are very funny and very attractive, so you don't need to be so needy, but I would also... I would get yourself some help. Absolutely. He needs help with marketing, because yes. I thought that night would have been sold out, but uh, we were... On one hand, you could count the number of people who were there, and you really could. Yeah, poor Sylv. You know, you really are a sensitive soul, and, you know, you really did soak up his pain. So anyway, so then we get... So here's the visual of we got a used car salesman, right? And then we got a keyboard player dressed up like a dog, except... This is... Funs and games Funs that we're and games, about here. yeah, which everybody started chanting, and the three of us didn't. What are they chanting? I don't even Funs know. Funs and games. Funs and games. So then you got a guy playing the keyboard dressed like a dog, except he's got the dog head missing because he said he le left it in the pup. Right? And then there's an elf that's supposed to appear, and I think I saw him backstage, but he never appeared. And then somebody's got a 10 week old baby. That Mr. Sleazebag goes up to and says, I'm going to, I don't know, play a game with his baby or something like that, except it was asleep. Now, poor Sylv, that got your hackles up even more. Because, you know, with Sylv, if you're under 18 and, you know, the joke's on you, then Sylvie's not laughing, right? Pedophilia is so 2011, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So, you know, and, uh, you know, in retrospect, I think we all figured out that it wasn't a real baby. Like, this, that's this guy's shtick as he plants somebody in the audience who looks like they have a kid. And let's just say that this was 1230 at night. So, the, you know, the whole audience was kind of like, oh, is that a real baby here? That seems kind of uh, maybe a little bit wrong. Right? Right. Yeah, so... And the Phil Ellis, the main protagonist of this bizarre children's show gone wrong has his catchphrase which he made reference to a number of times which is that he's the most reliable comedian in North Manchester I never miss a gig yeah. I'm never late for a gig and not exactly not exactly the catalyst for chuckles is it? Yes yeah, so Dookie you know and Sylvia thank god we were all on the same page because the three of us just looked at each other. We'd only been in there for like eight minutes and 
this guy had done a song and then he started feeding shots from an expired bottle of Aftershock that was a really violent red color to one of the audience members and it looked like that was going to carry on, like he was going to get the audience drunk. And everybody was in on the joke except us and like one woman who was sitting by us who didn't look like she was getting it either. And we all ran out of there. And our headspace at the time was one of confusion. It was really bizarre that the three of us would have such a negative reaction all at once. And it's weird to be in a room with 500 other people who were all getting it, yet we were not in the zone. So we frantically, when we found a, a bar nearby, we frantically dug out our uh, smartphones and started Googling funds and games Dookie. to see if we were missing something. For me, that was a memorable moment. So we have a headless dog, a sleazeball guy, a possible 10-week-old baby, a missing elf. But and the, the most reliable comedian in all of North Manchester. Yes. And me with a pulsating vein in my forehead, which doesn't happen very often, I might say. And for me, the memorable moment was the three of us, particularly Marcia slamming a double vodka, smoking about three cigarettes in a row, all on our smartphones, Googling fun and games, which at the time we didn't realize was spelled with a V. And if you put fun and games into Google or any other search engine, that's a pretty risky undertaking, I would think, isn't it, Dookie? Pretty risky? It's something which would certainly prompt you to have more vodka. Yes. So, yes, exactly. So, memorable moment number five, three very confused people who aren't possibly in the sanest frame of mind at quarter to one in the morning, downing shots, smoking cigarettes, desperately searching for fun and games on their iPhone to try to figure out what on earth had just gone on. And Dookie, Marcia, is it safe to say that we haven't really figured it out? At best, it's a Mancunian, Pee Wee Herman type of vehicle. At worst, that was a real baby. So let's just recap, shall we? We have Sock Puppets recreating the beaver shot from a seminal 1980s movie. 90s. 1990s movie, I beg your pardon. We have a Kenwood mixer with a disco ball forming an integral part of a single woman's Edinburgh show. We have two people battering each other with cabbages before saying, how's about that? We have a very mild-mannered Canadian comedian threatening to take a heckler outside to, and I quote, fuck him in the face before being saved by the pounding of an alarm. And finally, we have a sleazebag car salesman on stage with a headless dog, a missing elf, and a is it real or is it not 10-week-old baby to the sound of an entire group of drunken students shouting, fun 
and games. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the five most memorable moments of the Edinburgh Friends. How's that, Dookie? How's about that? www.facebook.com forward slash the dukey radio show the dukey radio show the dukey radio show